You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual We've hit a new low in what I'm calling situational pro-life ethics. You may be familiar with the fact that there are pharmacists out there who feel it isn't their job or don't want it to be their job or have refused to fill prescriptions for the morning after pill, for plan B, because they disapprove of abortion and uh, for religious reasons. And there have been attempts to codify this into law, religious exceptions for certain people uh, to not have to do their jobs because they disapprove of you and yours and your bets and what you're doing with them and the drugs that you need. I think that if a doctor's written you a prescription, that the pharmacist should fill your prescription without making any moral judgments and shut the fuck up and give you your drugs. And if they don't want to fill people's prescriptions, perhaps they shouldn't be pharmacists. We've been over this before on the podcast and everywhere else. And sometimes you lose your capacity to be shocked, but I am shocked. In Idaho... Idaho. God bless Idaho. If Idaho didn't exist, we'd have to make it up. A nurse at a Planned Parenthood office called a Walgreens pharmacist to ask for a prescription for something called methergene or methergene. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the name of this drug, which at Feministing they write is a medicine used to prevent or control bleeding of the uterus following childbirth or an abortion. The pharmacist who was on the phone with Planned Parenthood, refused to fill the prescription until Planned Parenthood told her what it was for. If it was for someone who'd just given birth, she would fill the prescription. If it was for someone who just had an abortion, dot, dot, dot. Refused to fill a prescription to stop uterine bleeding because she might have disapproved of what had caused this bleeding. So basically this pharmacist was saying, you tell me if this was an abortion, and if it was an abortion, I'm going to let this woman bleed to death, because I'm pro-life. Planned Parenthood of the Great Northwest has filed a letter of complaint with the state about this Walgreens and about this pharmacist at Walgreens. Walgreens has no comment, but incidentally, the state of Idaho last year passed legislation giving pharmacists the right to refuse to provide any healthcare service or drug that they felt violated their conscience. So, in the state of Idaho, a pharmacist can let you bleed to death at a Planned Parenthood office if she thinks you had an abortion. Just when you think the pro-lifers can't get any more pro-deathy, you read a story like this. Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question about breakups. I dated a guy for about a year and a half, um, and it was fairly serious. Um, We're both in our early 20s, and it was our first real relationship. Uh, We broke up about six months ago, and um, really, I I dumped him, for lack of a better term. 
Um, and he was completely blindsided and and didn't see it coming at all. And he was really uh, heartbroken about it. And, and he still is, I think, pretty heartbroken about it. And um, I guess my question is, I still feel really terrible about it. Um, I feel really, every time I think about it, I feel really, really sad that I was the cause of so much pain for him. Um, it makes me want to cry. And I guess my question is, how do I get over feeling like I did something really, really selfish? And um, as the dumper, I mean, people always talk about as the one who got dumped, oh, it's awful and I can't get over it. But as the dumper, I keep sort of beating myself up about it. And my question is, how do I stop doing that? How do I get over that? Honest to God, and I don't mean to urinate all over your pain, but after listening to your call, I just sat here thinking, what a stupid question. Yeah, your heart goes out to him. You know, you're a nice person. You can empathize. There was something there to begin with. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had a relationship with this guy in the first place. But it didn't work out for some reason. There was a reason you wanted out, presumably. You don't mention any of those reasons. You dumped him for some cause. You had cause. Otherwise, you would still be with him. And it didn't work out. So, yeah, his heart is broken. That's what his heart is there for. That's what you're there for for serious relationship. For serious relationships almost never work out. And so it ended. He's sad. You're sad. That means you're a good person because you're sad. How do you get over it? How do you get past it? Well, time, I guess, the same way time heals all wounds for the dumped, it heals all wounds for the dump. Er, as well. In time, he'll get on his feet. He'll find a new girlfriend. He'll forget about you. And you'll forget about him. Or maybe you'll both be really good friends much later on. But you need to stop wallowing, not in your pain, but in the pain you caused someone else. And get on with your life, which was the point of dumping this guy in the first place. Finally, you know, no one likes to hear from the person who fires people how hard that is. It's so much harder to get fired than to do the firing. So shut the fuck up, all right? Suck it up, shut up, get on with your life. That was the point of dumping him in the first place. Stop thinking about him. Hi, Dan. My name is Jacob. And uh, I'm 25, bisexual male. I've only come to this realization about my own sexuality in the past little over a year. This ordinarily isn't a problem, but I was in Iraq at the time. And, uh, well, that led to about two weeks where I thought my brain was oozing out of my toes. Not, again, uh, I dealt with it and I'm fine, but I'm getting a divorce now. And there's a boy that I've found. I He's really cute. I really like him. The thing is, is uh, going into this, this is such a very odd thing for me, very weird. I'm kind of scared. He's being very understanding. He wants to take things slow as well. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, are my fears, are they founded? Uh, this is just so strange for me. I, I don't know what to make of it all. You called to ask if your fears were founded, but you didn't tell me what you were afraid of. Like I said before, we both want to take things slow for me because this is very very new and scary and for him because he's been hurt a lot in the past and partially it's a fear of losing whatever not to say whatever might happen Uh huh. but someone I, I starting to see that I do care about a lot it's a big 
chunk of it is a fear of the unknown. And also, I'm getting a lot of mixed signals. His body language says one thing, but his mouth says another. And it's, it can be very confusing. My policy on mixed signals is that you should treat as truth the signals that deliver the bad news and regard as uh, white lies the signals that tell you what you might want to hear. So if his body language is saying no, 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 but his mouth is telling you what he thinks you might want to hear, then you need to really kind of focus on his body language. And It's more, it's more the opposite. His body language says yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and his mouth it, says no, no, no? His mouth is saying, no, it's not, no, it's, let's take this slow. I want to get to know you better and be friends for a while first, and we'll see what happens from there. Like I said in the message, this is the first guy I've ever approached. Are you guys having sex? No. Have you made out? A little bit. Okay, well, it just sounds like it's first relationship, first same-sex relationship jitters for you, and... You know, if he's been hurt a lot and he wants to take things slow, you just might have to roll with that. But the both of you have to get to a place, if I can traffic in uh, therapist-isms, you both have to get to a place where you're open to getting hurt. Not just open to each other, not just open, you know, for rainbows and hearts and bunnies and, you know, spending the rest of your lives together, but open to the possibility that, you know, you may have a romance, fall in love, fall out of love. It could be rocky. It could be ugly. It could end badly. But that's the risk that anybody who's in a relationship has had to run and is still running because any relationship, even the most functional, seemingly happy now relationship could end badly. And, at, you know, and a certain number of decades go by and we all die. And so every relationship you're going to be in is going to end in a funeral home. Hopefully later, much later, uh, but it, they all do end. You know, if you're afraid of getting into a relationship because it might end, then you shouldn't be in any relationship ever with anyone, him or anyone else, because they all end. Okay. You just have to regard, you have to change your, you know, your frame of mind, the way you approach, the way you think of it, and, and, and him too, and, and how you conceive of it. Instead of saying, oh my God, the stakes are so high and it's so scary, because what if it doesn't work out? What if it's not a love for the ages and we're not together forever? And if you approach every relationship like that, every new relationship is going to be a terrifying prospect. What you have to say is, I enjoy spending time with you. You enjoy spending time with me. Let's enjoy spending some time together for however much time we end up enjoying spending time together. And not think too far off into the future. Think today. Think tonight. Think tomorrow. Think this weekend. And that's really how a relationship is built on today tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, and then they keep accruing, and then you're like, wow, we've been seeing each other a long time, and then you can think about the next step when an appropriate time to start thinking about that next step comes. But people scare themselves at the outset of relationships by trying to, like, game it out. Like, oh my god, what's it going to mean in a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now? You know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years from now, it, it means you're dead, and it's over. Let that go. And you'll both be a little less fearful if you give each other permission to enjoy the time you have, enjoy being with each other, and embrace and accept that it might not be much time together. That maybe you'll have a good three months, good six months, a good year, and then part ways. And that's not a tragedy. If I wind up with even that small amount of time in the bucket, I'll be happy. So thank you. Good luck. Make this Valentine's Day one you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. 
Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. With every order, you'll receive Adam and Eve's free romance kit. The romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something you'll both enjoy. Plus, a free adult DVD. They're also throwing in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's offer, good through February 14th only. Just enter offer code SAVAGE. That's SAVAGE at adamandeve.com. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 16-year-old gay kid. Um, on New Year's Eve, I went out with some friends, including a older gay guy. Not older. Oh, he's a senior in high school, and I'm a sophomore. But, um, and he goes to a different school here in town, so I hadn't had that much opportunity to... Um, try and strike something up with him, but since we were out together um, with all our friends, we were at a show, and we uh, started holding hands, and we started, like, touching each other's thighs and putting our arms around each other. Well, I initiated it, so, um, but he went along with it. Um, We were both a tad bit disinhibited. I won't say how. Um, I bet you can guess. And so then later that night, I asked him to hang out with me, and he said no. So I was sad, but whatever. I went home, and um, the next day I was discussing this with one of my um, female friends, and I was like, oh, I'm not mad, but I, you know, it was kind of jerky of him to lead me on like that. And she said, oh, no, he wasn't leading you on. That's just flirting, you know, that happens all the time. And I think he was leading me on. So just kind of an opinion question, but do you think he was? leading me on officially, or um, was it just casual flirting? And the second thing is, I'm not sure exactly how to proceed from here with that, you know. Um, I talked to him a couple times. He's nice. He, he gave me his number, but my friend said that she talked to him, and he didn't seem interested in me. So uh, I'm not sure what exactly to do about that. I love how you describe a senior in high school as an older gay man trying to make me cry while I'm recording the podcast. Look, you were at a party or at a, at a show, and you say that you initiated some physical contact. You started holding his hand. You guys were touching each other. Then you asked to make out, and he said, no. And that was your cue that he was not really interested. Why did he, quote, unquote, lead you on? Unfortunately, he acquiesced to your physical contact that you initiated Believe it or not, to, just to be polite, not to make a scene just because, oh, you were you reached out for his hand and then you touched his leg and he's like not going to shove you away and kill the mood and the buzz in front of all your friends. But, you know, at the point where it's, would you like to taste my saliva, he had to really deal with the fact that he wasn't attracted to you that way. Uh, and so, therefore, did not want to taste your saliva. Ironically, you know, he was polite. You tried to touch him. Uh, he touched you back. He allowed for a certain amount of physical contact during the show to be polite. And because he didn't want to make you feel bad. He didn't want to put you on the spot by removing your hand from his leg. And in the end, he only wound up making you feel bad because you inferred when he allowed for a certain amount of physical contact that that meant he wanted to marry you and have your gay babies, which wasn't true. So just like a, a note for you and everybody else in the future, you know, if somebody initiates even a little subtle something and you're not interested, don't go along to be nice because in the end you're not being nice if you're not interested in that person. So what should you do about him now? Uh, you've heard from a friend that he is not interested. What should you do about him? Well, you can't have him killed. 
So why don't you be his friend? You're gay high school students in a small town. There's probably not a lot of you there, uh, college town though it may be. And, uh, you know, a lot of the gay people your age, uh, his age, who are there, likely to still be closeted. It sounds like you both could use a pal. You're attracted to him. You're going to let that burn out. You're going to shove that away. And what you should do is you send a message say, hey, uh, I hope I didn't make you feel uncomfortable at that party. I feel a little embarrassed after the fact because clearly there's nothing happening between us. But... I'm a gay sophomore, you're a gay senior, we've got a year in this town, let's hang out, let's go to shows, let's be friends. Platonic, gay, buds, what do you say? And he'll say yes. Because, you know, well, uh, when you're your age, sophomore in high school, uh, a boyfriend would be great. Someone to make out with would be awesome. You know what's awesome? Also, when you're 16, gay or not, is a good friend. And particularly when you're gay, uh, a little support. Someone to have your back, if not your ass. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Republican Gomorrah, Inside the Movement That Shattered the Party by the ass-kicking kick-ass Max Blumenthal. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Um, I have a question that's actually my friend's. And um, so my friend is dating this guy, and she's like two years younger than him. She's a sophomore, and he's an old junior in high school. And um, they've been dating for like a year and a half now. And... And they both really want to have sex with one another, and they're both virgins. But um, they have this violin teacher who is kind of like a father figure in the guy's life because he has kind of a rocky home situation. Um, and the violin teacher kind of came into his family equation right at the time when his home situation was at the hardest. So he kind of, the guy tells the violin teacher everything. Um, that's going on in his life. And the violin teacher has managed to get into his head and make him think that it's not okay to have sex with my best friend um, because he's older than her and because he would be pressuring her into it, whereas she was the one who proposed it in the first place. And the violin teacher has worked himself into this equation and has made it really hard for them because they've tried twice now and both times um, they've gotten to oral sex and then right before penetration like he lost it and they just weren't able to uh, continue with it so um, it's making it really hard for her because now she's kind of lower self-confidence because even though he's told her tons and tons of times that it has nothing to do with her it's just because he doesn't feel right about it because of the violin teacher, she still feels really bad about it. So I was just wondering what she could do because this is really messing with her and messing with him and by proxy messing with me because I feel shitty because I can't actually give her any advice because I don't know what to do. So please, if you answer this question, you would be making a really stressful period in someone's life, high school, a little bit less stressful. Oh my God, this drama. Such teen drama and violins too. 
listen, uh, you need to butt the fuck out. This violin teacher needs to butt the fuck out. Presumably where you live, you can Google it yourselves and find out. 16 and 18, uh, legal, consensual sexual activity between uh, two young people, very close in age. And it really doesn't involve anybody. You know, 1.5 years into a high school romance, maybe a perfectly appropriate time for them to become sexually active. And the violin teacher is trafficking in, you know, bullshit cliches about girls not having any sexual agency or desire. Of course, if they're going to have sex, it's only because the 18-year-old boy's got a penis and is super horny and the girl would only acquiesce if she was being pressured and blah, blah, blah. And that narrative is, as your friend has demonstrated, has proven to you, bullshit. She wants this. She wants to do it. So the violin teacher's comments need to be disregarded by the violin student, the 18-year-old male. Uh, that said, your 16-year-old friend also needs to step back and calm down. If at the moment of penetration, hopefully with a condom on, uh, the boy is losing his erection, losing interest, is experiencing complete nervous collapse, then maybe he's not ready for vaginal intercourse which is legitimate and okay do you guys have this from the violin teacher's mouth that he doesn't think that they should be doing this maybe this boy is claiming that his violin teacher said all this to him because he doesn't have the courage to speak up and say for himself that he's not ready you know that bullshit script that no girl wants to have sex the inverse of that is that all boys do want to have sex all the time Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't feel ready. Maybe he's nervous and scared. And it might help him get past that nervousness and fear if your friend, the girl, gave her boyfriend, the violinist, permission to do it when and if he's ready. And in the meantime, to enjoy the oral sex and perhaps mutual masturbation that they're capable of, that they can do for now. And stop elevating vaginal intercourse to this big, scary goal and approach it with a little bit more patience. And then maybe if there wasn't so much pressure on him in the moment to come through with the vaginal penetration, his dick would be a little bit more reliable. But once you alert your 16-year-old friend to this message that I've taped to you, but really for her and her boyfriend, they should listen to it perhaps together, you need to butt the fuck out and stop asking sex advice professionals uh, for bank shot proxy advice for your friends and uh, leave them to their own dicks and devices in future. And the violin teacher, if he's doing all this, if he's putting the zap on your friend's head, needs to shut the fuck up, particularly if he's going to traffic in these sexist stereotypes about teenage girls not wanting to do it. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is a 30-year-old 30, 30 uh, straight male in Utah. Um, I've kind of had a rough year. Um, my, my wife of eight years kind of suffered some depression after our third child year. And, uh, uh, as a result, she had an affair. Um, we separated for a bit, but we're back together now. Uh, we're doing much better than we were before. We just, we had some communication issues, which we've resolved. Um, my, my question is, uh, even though there's no signs that that she is doing anything behind my back anymore, uh, in fact, the, the whole affair was kind of out of character as it was, 
Um, but I'm still feeling, you know, some, some distrust. I, you know, obviously I, I was kind of prepared for having some trust issues when we, uh, when we decided to, you know, stick it out and, and work things out. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if you just have any, you know, pointers or tips for, uh, trying to, you know, get past these trust issues, um, or if they'll just, you know, eventually go away and I just got to, you know, push through until, until I'm all good and fine. She has to re-earn your trust and that's just going to take time. You have to place again your trust in her and she has to prove this time that she is worthy of that trust. And only the passage of months and years during which time she does not fuck other people without your permission, consent, or presence, if you guys ever open up your relationship, will she demonstrate that she was worthy of your trust? And that will eventually, in the fullness of time, solve your trust issues. You know, someone who's been cheated on never fully ever recovers if they're really invested in uh, monogamy or honesty. You may always have a little sore spot, a a scar, a, a twinge. And she is probably, you know, if she wants to stay married to you and be in this relationship and help you get past it and help you guys stay together. She needs to reconcile herself to the fact that because she was the one who cheated, she'll always have to be not on her best behavior, certainly not fucking other people behind your back, but she will always every once in a while just have to tag a base and say, you know, when you get anxious about your trust issues, say, I understand why you would be anxious about that. And I apologize. And I'm sorry, but I'm not cheating on you. And then you need to take a deep breath and let it go and reinvest your trust in her. If you can't, then you can't stay married to her. So if you're choosing to stay with her, you can't keep her on the rack for the next 50 years about this one incident. You really do have to let it go, even if you're allowed to get spun up every once in a while. And she's going to help you spin down, help you calm down. Good luck there in Utah with your trust issues. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 21-year-old queer woman from Seattle, and I've been listening to your show for a long time, and I really need your advice. I have a friend who I've known since high school, um, who I've been pretty close to. She's kind of different than I am. Um, She's conservative, religious, and I'm not. (laughs) And since going to college, we've definitely gone in different directions. Um, She's become heavily involved with the church here in Seattle, and I've become involved with queer activism, sex-positive work, all of that jazz. Uh, I saw her over the break and asked her a couple of questions about the church that she's involved with, uh, mainly about their views on homosexuality. And her church believes that homosexuality is a sin, although not a greater sin than any other sin, but I think that's kind of bullshit. I told her this upset me. She said that she knows it's upsetting. We parted ways, and a couple days later, I got drunk at a gay bar, called her, and told her that I didn't feel like I could be friends with her um, if she believed that. Um, she sent me a letter, and it basically says that she loves me and that um, she loves any woman that I'm sleeping with. Um, and that she wants to remain in contact, but will respect my wishes not to be friends right now if that's what I want. Um, here's my question. 
she's a really amazing woman. And I don't think that she really believes that intellectually, but maybe she does spiritually. I don't really understand how that works, but I know it's confusing to her. I also know that she doesn't plan to give up her church anytime soon. Um, so should I continue not to make contact with her or would I be better served staying in contact and trying to convince her to change her bigoted ideas? If I was in touch with her, I'm sure she wouldn't ever say anything bigoted. She's, she's really nice and I respect her a lot, but what she believes and what she's teaching the kids. That's the other part of it. She's a youth group leader. What she's teaching the kids is really offensive. Um, I would love your advice. Thanks, Dan. I'm pro friends. And I want to tell you not to be this amazing woman's friend, this amazing woman who attends a bigoted church, this amazing woman who is warping the young minds of her charges, including some gay kids in the room. We know that there are gay children and there are gay children in a classroom full of children who are being taught that being gay is wrong and sinful. And we've seen in the last few months, last six months or so, we've become acutely aware of the consequences of beating it into the heads of kids that there's something intrinsically wrong or immoral or evil about being gay. Even if it's what you're presenting to them is that it's a sin like all other sins. The straight kids are going to feel empowered to abuse and terrorize and bully the gay kids. And the gay kids are going to be packed full of self-loathing and despair. So however amazing your friend is, she's doing a dreadful thing when she imparts this anti-gay bigotry to the children in that room. It really is a kind of child abuse and not just uh, abuse of the gay kids in the room. It's really also abusing the straight kids in the room because it will, if they never get over the anti-gay hatred that they learned because it fell from your friend's mouth it will cost them relationships with their gay friends one day, just as this woman's bigotry may cost her the relationship that she's enjoyed with you. That said, if you still want to be your buddy, I would encourage you to make it conditional, that less of a friendship, more of a book club for a while. Uh, tell her you'd love to see her after she finishes reading Gay, Straight, and the Reason Why by Simon LeVay. The Science of Sexual Orientation. So you can discuss the points that he makes in that book. And she can come to a deeper understanding of human sexuality before she decides to condemn some people to hell based on their sexuality. I would also make conditional perhaps upon coffee. A book is big. A book is thick. A book is long. Uh, perhaps just reading a few blog posts at johnshore.com. I would direct you in particular and direct her in particular to a post entitled, How is Being Gay Like Gluing Wings on a Pig? Now, I'm not going to unpack what that header means, but I'm going to read a little selection from this about sin. Here's John Shore. Virtually all sins share a crucial defining common quality because that quality which is present in every other imaginable sin is utterly missing from being or acting gay. Insisting on putting homosexuality into the same category as every other sin is like gluing wings on a pig and insisting it belongs in the category of bird. It doesn't, it can't, it won't, ever. Here is the big difference, Shore writes, between homosexuality and other sins. There is no sin I can commit that, by virtue of committing it, renders me incapable of loving or being loved. 
I would encourage you to go read that whole post. I would encourage everyone to follow John Shore's excellent blog. He's an evangelical conservative Christian who writes an amazing blog, and he's helping a lot of evangelical conservative Christians see the light about homosexuality and see the neighbor in their homosexual neighbors. So I'm not going to tell you to dump this woman. In your shoes, I would dump this woman. In your shoes, I would have nothing to do with this person. The reality of my presence in her life, I would hope, would open her eyes to the bigotry that is optional and fictional in her religious beliefs. Bigotry she can walk away from, but she chooses not to walk away from them, so she's walking away from me. But you can make a different choice. You can leverage your presence in her life to help open her eyes, perhaps to make her a better person, and to make her ultimately a less harmful, abusive, malicious, destructive person. Because what she's doing in that room to those kids, it's going to have consequences for those kids, gay and straight, when they grow up. And you should help her realize that. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question for you. I'm a straight woman, about 30, and I, I love my boyfriend. I'm fully fulfilled by him. I really think that he's the one, and I want to have a family with him and everything. There's just a couple of things that throw me off and the main thing is really um, that he does a couple of things with kissing that um, that is kind of a turnoff. He has this kind of over-eager puppy-licking thing, and it happens you know, like when we get turned on in foreplay, like when we're about to have sex, he'll he'll start kissing in this way that kind of fills up my mouth, and and I try to kind of say like, hold your tongue back or something like that, and and then he will for that, you know, that period of time, and usually I can just kind of get past it and enjoy the sex, but I was wondering if you thought if things like that, or if some of these, like, little discreet turnoffs that he, that he does are worth bringing up, or if there's something that you think that should just get over. I do notice I'm kind of taking away from my experience at the beginning and slowing down how I can get turned on. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, seem like I'm overly picky. You know, he doesn't complain about anything that I do and and maybe I can just kind of work with it and get used to it. What do you think? Kissing is so personal. I've always said, use I statements, say there's a way I like to be kissed. People want to please their partners. He's kissing you because he enjoys it and he derives pleasure from it. Uh, he's kissing you also at least 50% of it is to give you pleasure and because you enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to want to kiss him and then he won't get any pleasure from being kissed because he won't be kissing him. So you just say like in a constructive, upbeat, not, oh, you're, you're doing kissing wrong way, but in a, this is the way I like to be kissed. So when you're with me and you want to kiss me in a way that gives me pleasure, this is how it's got to be. This is how I like it. And then walk him through it. You know, the way he kisses may have worked for the last 15 uh, puppy kiss women prefers that he was with. Puppy kiss preferring women that he was with. And doesn't work for you. And perhaps he can adjust his technique. That said, it can be hard for people to change that sort of pattern. People don't necessarily think with anything but their reptile brain at the moment when they're shoving their tongues into other people's mouths. So you may in the moment have to correct him what you need to do in those moments is correct him nicely 
uh, in a way that doesn't shatter the moment or ruin the moment or chase his boner away. It's just like when you're with somebody who likes to bite and they've gotten away with it because their last few partners like to bite and you don't like to be bitten. What you don't do at the moment when they forget that they're with you and not with the person before who did like that. You don't slap them. You don't scream and yell. You don't jump out of bed. You don't act peevish. You say, uh-uh, stop it, no teeth, and you hold <laughs> their mouths for a second, you go, no teeth, and you smile, and then you dive back in. You can do the same with him about the kissing. When he starts to backslide to the kind of kissing you don't like, immediately, kindly, gently, in an upbeat, friendly, sexy way, take a hold of his face, take a hold of his tongue, put your finger on his tongue and say, you know how I like to be kissed. You're not saying you're kissing me wrong. You're not saying stop that fucking dog licking shit you're saying you can do what i want right and he will and gradually you will beat this dog face kissing out of him without scaring him away without destroying his erection without making him insanely self-conscious with any luck and i wish you the best of luck hey dan uh this is a 30-year-old happily married bisexual just calling. I just listened to uh, episode 116. was replying to uh, that cat that's uh, 17 years old, I think he said, who was bisexual, thinks he might be gay. Um, I just thought uh, maybe he'd like to hear it from somebody with some experience that I was in the same boat, same time frame in my life. Um, but I found that staying as a bisexual or what I told people, you know, that I was a bisexual, it, it left it open. It left it for freedom to be there and spontaneity to be there and left it open for me to explore and see where it went. But I uh, thought maybe he'd like to hear that. Anyway, pass it along if you can. Talk to you later. Hi, Dan. I just have a comment about the young woman in episode 222A who is a 19-year-old uh, trying to decide if she's bisexual or lesbian. And I have a friend who in college came out as bisexual, and then a little later she came out as lesbian, and then a few years later she came out as bisexual again. And uh, while she was a lesbian, she did occasionally get very flirty with guys, and in retrospect she realized that what that being a lesbian was, was just a moratorium on guys. She just needed to spend some time to focus on being with women. And then when she had that moratorium, she was able to reintegrate guys back into her love life and be a bisexual again. So there you go. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm calling about episode 219 just to say that you and Taylor Momsen's advice on masturbation is spot on. Um, I'm a 20-something-year-old woman, one of the people who started having sex with others about eight years before I started having sex with myself. And it made it really hard. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know it felt good. Uh, and I had a lot of really bad sex, probably with some people that if I'd been more in touch with my body, I wouldn't have had sex with. Um, and since, And even when I was with a good, supportive partner who wanted to make me feel good, I didn't know what to tell them to do. Um, now that I've started masturbating and gotten more in touch with my body, not only is my sex life with myself better, so my sex life with everyone, with the other people that I sleep with is too. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. Be well. 
Thank you, everybody, for your calls and questions and comments. 206-201-2720 is the number. If you want to record a question for a future show, please give us a buzz. Amy Lang, sex, health, and parent educator from birdsandbeesandkids.com, will be joining us on the podcast next week, so you'll want to download that one for sure. 206-201-2720 is the number. Me and the Tech Heavy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.